Welcome to The Sleep Sessions. I'm your host, Dara Whitaker. This podcast is a place for women to share their successes and challenges of adapting to life and sleep after a new baby. Whether you're expecting your first or a mother of five, you can listen in weekly to learn, feel supported, and celebrate each other's unique experiences. If you're expecting and you're not really sure where to start with planning for postpartum, I'd love to help. My Postpartum Thrive Guide is the perfect tool to help you plan for what you'd like life to look like in the first few months after coming home with your new baby. It covers things like visitors, physical recovery, building a support team, mental health, and so much more. You can learn more on my website, thesleepsessions.co. Today I'm speaking with Savannah about her home water birth, discovering that she had retained placenta, postpartum depression, and her breastfeeding journey. Hi, Savannah. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Can you start by introducing yourself and telling me about you and your family? Yeah. So my name is Savannah Adams. Um, I am a first-time mom to a little boy named Maverick. He is four months old now. Um, I'm married. We just have kind of a little family. Um, I am getting certified as a doula. I'm in a master's program to get licensed as a therapist. And I'm opening a um, shop in my hometown for, you know, kids clothing and kind of like more like a holistic like motherhood store where, you know, it's everything that moms need. So it'll be secondhand kids clothes, nursing, maternity clothes. And then we'll also do birth classes, birth coaching, um, you know, everything that really moms need. So that seems very useful and needed. Yeah. Yeah. And my, and it's going to be the only clothing shop in my hometown. And so it'll be really great, um, especially for kids because there's so many children. And so it'll be nice to have something close by. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. Is there anything listeners should know about Maverick's birth story? Oh, Maverick's birth story. It was just incredible. I absolutely loved giving birth. It was probably the best experience of my whole life. Um, I did hypnobirthing and from the time that I was, you know, probably 10 or 15 weeks pregnant, I started practicing hypnobirthing and I did 10 to 20 minutes every single day. You know, I would do those affirmations. I would do, um, all of the breathing and the, um, you know, visualizations. And then I'd actually practice with my husband where he would read me, you know, those, those relaxing visualizations. And he has a very, you know, soothing voice. Um, and it was just perfect. And so then during the birth, when he would talk to me, it would automatically put me in this like relaxation state. And so I had a spectacular birth. I was dilated to a seven before I felt any, uh, normal contractions or any timeable contractions. And then, um, from a seven to a nine, it was not anything really intense. Um, you know, my family, I had 15 women at the birth. And so we called it like a birthday party and we, you know, we chicken noodle soup and we danced and we had a really good time. And then, you know, about like eight or nine centimeters, my contractions kind of kicked in and I um, got in the water. I did a home water birth and they, you know, my midwife broke my water and I had him within two hours and it was just spectacular. Every single bit of it was just amazing. Um, I loved, loved, loved hypnobirthing and I would recommend it to everyone. That sounds like a dream experience. Yeah, it really was. And I, and it's funny because, you know, my sister, as we talk about a lot and 
I like feel bad telling other moms about it because I know that birth can be so traumatic for some people, but it's what inspired me to become a doula because I had such a beautiful experience that I'm like, I can't wait to give birth again. And I want other women to get that same, that same support because, you know, I had so much support there and then the same, you know, education and the same experience that I got, or at least similar or whatever they want, whatever their experience is, but just something where they can enjoy it because it really was just an enjoyable experience. And, you know, we've heard so many, and I'm sure you've, you know, had your birth experiences that are, I've, I've heard so many of them are very difficult. And so I want to inspire and help women get the birth experience that they want, that can be empowering and enjoyable and um, just something that they want to repeat. Good for you. It's amazing how our birth and motherhood experiences can inspire us to do all of these amazing, helpful things for other, other moms and other women. Yes, absolutely. Well, great. How was it once everything kind of settled down? I know you were home, so you didn't have to spend any time in a hospital, but how was the transition from going from, you know, not having a baby to having a baby? Yeah. Um, so, you know, right after I gave birth, I lost a lot of blood and, um, we weren't really sure on the placenta on whether it like, you know, fully came out and I did have retained placenta. And so, um, I bled a lot, you know, I bled for 10 weeks and I went in multiple times to my midwife and, you know, I was still cramping and it was really painful and I just constantly bled for 10 weeks and I know the normal is about six to eight. And so, you know, around eight weeks we started getting concerned and she referred me to an OBGYN. And when I went and saw, you know, my doctor, they did an ultrasound and they found retained placenta. So we did a DNC and just to tell you like the difference between, you know, before I got my DNC and after it was a day of, it was like something like switched on. So before I got my DNC, I struggled severely with my milk supply. I was constantly pumping. I was breastfeeding. We had to supplement with, you know, formula and donated breast milk because my baby was not gaining weight and I wasn't producing enough. And I was, you know, in a really severe depression. I just felt like I just could not like really, you know, get out of this like slump that I was in. And I was so excited for motherhood. And so it was very shocking to me that I felt this way. And, and so I just, it was, it was hard. And after I got that DNC, everything changed like the day of, it was like that cloud was lifted. My milk supply, I went from pumping maybe three ounces to pumping eight or nine ounces And like, it was just, it just changed so fast. And it was once that placenta was gone fully that my hormones were able to kind of regulate a little bit. And it was just a dream. Like, I mean, I obviously don't recommend a DNC to everyone, but like, if, if you need medical attention, like it was, I'm so grateful that I was able to get it because I would have just struggled until maybe my body passed it or I hemorrhaged or whatever, but being able to have a really good medical team where they stepped in right when, you know, at the right time. And, you know, my, my midwife watched it really closely and it was just, it was incredible. And, and I'm so grateful that I was able to get that, that surgery. And especially with COVID right now, I did not think I was going to be able to, because they stopped all elective surgeries. Um, but because it wasn't necessarily elective, I got in and I got to, you know, get the medical care that I needed and it was, and I'm, and I'm so grateful for it. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm so glad to hear that you were able to get that attention and get it taken care of right away. Cause I know that retained placenta can be really, um, potentially dangerous. And so, um, it's great that you were able to recognize what was going on. Yeah. 
Yeah. Can we take a little bit of a step back and just, I, I want to hear a little bit more about that first, you know, eight or 10 weeks or so. And I know you said you had some challenges mentally, you had the postpartum depression and your milk supply was low, but can you just paint the picture of what that looks like a little bit more and, you know, just what were those flags that went off for you that kind of told you, oh, maybe there's something else going on here? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it was interesting because, you know, they do say that like, it's very normal to bleed for the six, first six to eight weeks. And so in my mind, I was like, oh, this is just normal. This is just how moms feel. And I've never been a mom before. And so this is just, you know, what it is. You're sleep deprived and you're exhausted and you're tired and you cry all the time and it's hard. And, you know, like, and are very normal. And at the same time, I was balancing this weird dichotomy because I was so sad. Like at any moment, I feel like I could have just like burst into tears, but I was also so in love with my baby. Like I loved him. And at no point was I like, oh, I don't want him or I don't want to take care of him. I like, I wanted to spend time with him. I was dedicated. I loved, loved, loved him. I mean, I still do. He's just, he's the light of my life. But I was also balancing this weird feeling where I was exhausted and I was struggling with milk supply. And every time he would cry, I would cry because I knew that that meant what I had to feed him and I didn't have what he needed. And, you know, then, you know, I'm sure every mom can relate, but then you spiral down this like mom guilt, mom shame thing where you're like, oh, I can't produce what he needs. I'm not a good mom. I shouldn't be here. And then I got into this place where I felt like I didn't belong there. Like, I was like, this isn't the place for me. My family would be better off without me. You know, my baby needs somebody that can produce milk for him. He needs somebody that can really take care of him. And even though I I loved him and I wanted to do it, I didn't feel like I was the right person for him. And it was a really dark place to be. And, you know, even thinking about it now, like, it's, it's very difficult and I've never, I've never really, like, I mean, I've, I've experienced depression in the past and. I've been to therapy, but I've never experienced that like level, like of almost like suicidal, but I, I didn't have a plan. I wasn't going to act on it, but I just felt so dark and so alone. And my husband would try, he's great. And he helped and he was amazing. And, you know, he did what he could, but it still was just lonely. And it was a, it was a dark place to be. Motherhood can be, I mean, new motherhood can be so isolating. And when you have those mm-hmm. thoughts on top of it, it's like, you're just, you're just hopeless at that point. Yeah. And, and, and I don't know if this is, if this was the reason or if it just compounded it, but you know, I had Maverick in at the, at the end of February and it was right when COVID hit and we went into isolation for a month and my family couldn't see him and my sisters couldn't see him. You know, I told you I had 15 women at my birth. And so I, I had prepared myself. I told myself like, I'm going to be that one that asks for help. I'm not afraid to ask for help. I will reach out. I will whatever. And then all of a sudden I couldn't. And I had have all this help to, you know, you know, transition into motherhood slowly and, you know, take it one day at a time. And all of a sudden I was thrust into the situation where I was alone. You know, my husband was, he works in healthcare. And so he had to go to work every day and I was home alone with my baby and I couldn't call my mom 
and I couldn't call my sisters and I was so terrified to let anybody hold him that I just kept him like literally strapped to me all day long and it was like that pressure of motherhood was like so monumental that I couldn't I couldn't overcome that I couldn't see past it it was like this was it this was all I could do was just focus on that one moment of getting my baby to drink a bottle or that one moment of figuring out how to feed him or you know like I just it was one moment at a time and it was overwhelming and it was like you said it was so isolating and even more so because we were actually in isolation oh my gosh I'm so sorry that you had to go through that and there are so many moms right now going through the same thing and I cannot tell you how much I feel for them um I can't even imagine and oh it's just so hard um yeah I'm you're very strong so just know that and (laughs) and you did a great job and you're doing a great job thank you how was Maverick sleeping at this point you know I we got we got very very blessed because I really early on when he was about four weeks old I took the taking care of babies, newborn, like sleep class. And it's just like the foundations of sleep. So kind of sleep training, it's just like, here's how you can calm your newborn down. And the whole purpose of the class was to enjoy the newborn phase. So I took this class and we got him where he was sleeping clear through the night. And like, I would have to get up and pump in the middle of the night because, you know, I needed to pump, but he was still sleeping. And so it was really awesome because he would, he would sleep clear through the night and he did, until we transitioned him out of the swaddle and the minute he was not swaddled anymore he woke up I mean still does every hour like if I'm not holding him he just wakes up and um recently like I've been really struggling because he's waking up one to three times a night to eat and I have this idea in my head I was like he needs to sleep through the night so I was telling my husband like we need to sleep train him we need to do something but I'm not a cry it out kind of person like I was like I can't do that And so we were like, you know, researching all these things and how sleep training. And finally, I found this article that was talking about how normal it is for kids to wake up and eat in the night. They said, you know, I think it was like 80% of babies wake up one to three times in the night and eat. And it just like hit me all of a sudden. I was like, oh my gosh, I am setting expectations for my son that he literally cannot meet. And maybe some babies can, and that's great. You know, it is only 80%, but like he obviously needs to eat and I'm sitting here pushing him and we're sitting up in the middle of the night and I'm trying to get him to go back to sleep instead of feeding him and and it's just this exhausting cycle that we got ourselves in and I was like oh okay and so all of a sudden I just lowered my expectations and I just feed him and he goes right back to sleep and I get more sleep and he gets more sleep and I've just decided that we're going to embrace it and it's okay and it won't last forever and you know, he's happier and I'm happier and it works for us. And so although he's not, you know, sleeping through the night and I wouldn't necessarily classify him as a great sleeper, it works for us. And we found a little system and, you know, I've learned how to breastfeed laying down. And so I just pull him in bed and we feed and it works for us. Yeah. I, I feel like there are so many expectations and pressures put on moms, especially in those first couple of, you know, couple of months and after 12, 12 weeks, moms start to feel pressure that their children should be sleeping through the night. And I think that what you're saying Mm -hmm. is so refreshing because if you are able to lower your expectations and not kind of try to live up to all of, you know, the hype about baby sleep, then you're in such a more positive, Mm -hmm. 
more peaceful place with your baby. And if it works for you where you grab him and feed him and he goes right back to sleep, then why not? You know, if both of you are happy doing that, then that's great. Yeah. Well, when we set it up, I mean, we, I mean, there's, I feel like there's so many thoughts in my head, but there's, there's a couple things that I, I think, you know, kind of led to this decision of just accepting Maverick where he is. One of them is that I feel like there's this expectation, at least in my community, and I don't know if this is, you know, for everyone, but there's this expectation that I'm just supposed to go back to normal. Like all of a sudden, I'm supposed to be like, I never had a kid. And I just don't think that that's the reality. You know, like I'll see people and they're like, oh, you don't even look like you had a baby. And I, and it almost like offends me. I'm like, but I did. My body created a human and I did have a baby and I do have proof to show it. And it's amazing. And I love it. And my body is producing all the things that he needs to keep him alive. And it's spectacular. And so I kind of push back against this idea that we're supposed to just go back to normal. I'm like, there is no go back. This is the new life and this is what I've chosen and this is what I, and so I'm going to adjust and I'm going to create a new world that I want to be a part of and a new experience. And so I just don't believe that it's my child's job to be convenient for me, that it's his job to sleep through the night so that I can get my sleep or that it's his job to, you know, be an easy baby so that, you know, I can have a, you know, easy transition or whatever, you know, whatever the expectation is. And there's so many out there. And so that was one that I just, yeah, I just pushed back against it. I'm like, no, I want to meet Maverick where he is and he's four months old and I'm setting expectations on him that even an adult can't meet. You know, like I still wake up and go to the restroom every night. Like I can't expect him to sleep through the night. That's just silly. And so I just decided to just meet him where he is and he's four months old and he's a baby. Yeah. So that's what we're going to do. Yeah. It's definitely a learning process where you have to figure each other out and and just learn, learn about each other a little bit more. And that takes time. Yeah. And I know that every baby is different. And I know that if I have another one, we're going to set a totally different expectation and a totally different process. And so I really am trying to like, just customize it to what Maverick needs and whatnot right now, you know, like he, we are doing a family bed and we've decided that we love having him in our bed with us. And so we've set up a lot of structures that we feel like keep him safe, but we just, we sleep with him and I cuddle him and, and, I feel like that's what he needs. And so that's what we do and it works for us. And I think it's okay. And we're, we're going to do, you know, what we need to for our baby. Definitely. And if for some reason down the line, it, it stops working for you guys, you can always reassess and make changes and do what's comfortable for you. Yeah, absolutely. At any point during the um, time that you still had some of the retained placenta, did you, um, give Maverick any formula or did you just kind of push through and pump as much as you could or breastfeed or what did that look like? So we had to supplement for almost day one because he lost so much weight. I don't think we were back to birth weight until he was a month old. And so he was born at seven, one and at his two weeks checkup, he was like six, one, you know, like he had lost a full pound. So, um, from his two week checkup, because I thought I was doing great. You never know when you're breastfeeding, you know, I was like, Oh, my baby's doing amazing. And they were like, Nope, he's literally losing a lot of weight. So we stepped in and we started by doing donated breast milk. And luckily I live in a community where there's just so many moms and my midwife is amazing, but she would just, you know, 
reach out to her network and she would just bring me like a bag like a like a grocery bag full of just frozen breast milk you know like all these little bags of breast milk and it kept him alive for you know a good solid you know two months I think we've supplemented with donated breast milk and I got it from my friends and I got it from you know everyone else and then after my DNC I was still kind of building up that supply and we supplemented with formula I think for like maybe a week or two and then my supply kicked in and that's incredible uh, yeah yeah so we you know we've done everything and, and it's weird because I, I I'm a big supporter of breastfeeding but I also do believe that like as long as your baby is fed and happy then you're doing a great job and so we you know we we still supplement we give him a bottle after every single time I breastfeed him because he just needs more and I just I think it's okay. And we just do that. And, you know, at first it was with donated breast milk and then formula. And now, you know, I pump after, you know, he eats and then we give him a bottle of my breast milk, but we're still supplementing more than just what I feed him. Um, So. It's so amazing and insane that your body was able to start reproducing milk after everything that you've been through. Oh, yeah. And I'm, I'm so glad I stuck it out because really, I mean, everybody told me they're like, you have to stick it out for the first month. Like that's the hardest month. And my hardest was the first three months. Cause I was bleeding for that whole time. And, you know, we were at like, you know, two and a half months and it was like right around that time that we had to start, you know, supplementing with formula. And I just told my husband, I was like, I'm done. Like, it's exhausting. I feed him for 30 minutes and then I pump for 30 minutes and then I feed him a bottle of formula for 30 minutes and I'm just exhausted. And then he's hungry every three hours. And that only gives me 30 minutes between everything, you know? And so I was like, I just can't like, and you know, and again, I was in that depressive state and I was like, I'm exhausted and my body cannot do this. And my husband was like, Savannah, you wanted to breastfeed. And he's like, I will support you. And he's like, you know, that I don't really care. He's like, you know, he was a breastfed baby or I mean, he was a formula fed baby. He's like, I don't necessarily have an opinion, but like you have wanted to breastfeed your whole life. And so don't give up because it's hard. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I just kept doing it. And then after my DNC, I was so grateful. And I went back to him and I was like, I know it was hard and it was hard on me and it was hard on you, but I appreciate that so much that like, you know, the support it was, if you decide to absolutely, I'll support you and we'll buy formula, but don't give up just because it's hard. And that's exactly what I needed to hear. And I was like, okay, I can do hard things and I love him and I love breastfeeding and we're going to do this. And so I just set, you know, I just started setting goals. I was like, okay, I'm just going to get to four months at four months. We'll re we'll reevaluate. And if it's, you know, still just exhausting, then we'll quit. And at four months, you know, I just got my, my DNC and it was getting better. And I was like, okay, we can keep going, you know? And so like, I just slowly just move that that date you know and and now I'm like okay we're gonna get to six months and then we're gonna get to eight and we're just gonna keep going until I'm ready to stop (laughs) good for you that's really inspiring um I and I think it's really cool that your husband was so supportive either way but encouraged you to continue going because he knew that it was so important to you yeah I so I had a similar experience with my husband, but it was kind of the opposite. So I I never like I wanted to breastfeed and I I took the classes on it and that was my plan and it's kind of what I was set on. But you know, it wasn't a lifelong dream of mine like it was for you. 
Yeah. And when nursing got really hard for me and my husband saw me like down in the dumps and just having a really, really hard time with it for a couple of weeks, he was like, you know, I support you either way, but you know, you don't have to do this. This isn't something that you have to do. And I think when your partner is able to support you and make you feel like, you know, just better about what you're doing or not doing, I think it makes Mm -hmm. a world of difference. And it's really important to have that support, whether it come from a partner or a friend or a mom or sister, you know, whatever it is, just to have that person who's kind of just there to cheer you on and, and, you know, help you through some of those tough times. Yeah. Well, it's funny because, you know, even hearing your story, like, I, I, I hear this all the time, you know, like, you know, the, when I share my story, I get like 15 other women that are like, oh my gosh, I went through something similar, but totally different. And this is how it ended up for me, or this is how it turned out for me. And I just get so inspired by it because I realized that we all do it differently. Every single one of us. I've never met a mom that mothers the same way that I do. And it's amazing. And I look at their kids and I'm like, they're happy and they're well taken care of. And I look at the mom and they're happy. I'm like, that's all that matters. You know, if you're happy and your kid is happy, you're doing it right. Whether you formula feed or breastfeed or both or neither or whatever, like it's just, it's great as long as you're both happy. And so that's why I've, I've really come to with Maverick and I get a lot of opinions and, you know, I have a lot of women in my family <laughs> and a lot of unsolicited advice. And I just, I look at it and I'm like, you know, love it. Yes. I'll take that piece or, you know, that's not really for me and Mav. And I just move on and I just decide that like, you know, what makes me the happiest and what makes Maverick the happiest is what we need to do. I love that. Has having Maverick impacted any of the relationships in your life, whether it be with your husband or your sisters or some other friends or family? Yes, I would say almost everyone. Okay. <laughs> um, there's, I mean, there's about like three, three thoughts that really came into my head when you asked this question. The first is me and my husband. I mean, it absolutely changed. We just, I mean, it's been an amazing experience. And I feel like in some ways we're closer than we've ever been. And this is such a cool experience to go through with someone. And I would not want to parent with anyone but my husband because I just think he's spectacular. Um, And I hope that's how every mom feels. You know, I hope they're in a situation where they just get the most support um, from their significant other. Um, But it's been difficult on the intimacy. And I think, you know, obviously I think a lot of moms feel this way, but um, especially with having a family bed we don't really get to have sex that often. And so we've had to set up some structures that allow us to, you know, build intimacy in other ways and, um, you know, go on date nights. And so like, even with my sister, you know, we've, we've decided we switch off. And so like, I'll, I take her kids on Monday and she takes my kid on Friday overnight. So once a week we get a, a time just with me and my husband and it's, it's really nice. And again, it's just that having that support that, is so incredible that we get to, you know, set up a structure that works for our marriage and also a structure that works for our baby. That's so nice to have that, um, have your sister be able to watch him. How old is your sister's baby? So my sister is actually um, about 10 years older than me and she has five children. So her first two are older and then her youngest three are seven and under. And so I just take the youngest three. Wow. And we wow. just have a little slumber party and they're all girls and it's really fun. They just love to oh. help me with Maverick and it's great. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, but, you know, when you ask that question, I also think your relationships change a lot with the people around you. And one of the biggest things that I've noticed is that 
um, I've had to really overcome this fear of feeling like a burden, you know, like I show up and I have a diaper bag and my pump bag and a car seat and a baby and, you know, a thing of breast milk and like all of this stuff. Like I literally probably carry six bags everywhere I go and I walk in and I just feel like I just dump all this stuff. And then I have a baby and I need help. And so if like, I need to, you know, help with dinner or anything, like somebody else has to hold the baby or if I need to feed him or if I need to pump, I need my own space. Or, you know, I just, I feel like there's all of these like situations where I just feel like I come in and I'm like a whirlwind and I'm like, oh, sorry, let me just take over this whole room because I just need all this space. <laughs> and I've had to really fight back, like again, push back against that feeling because I, I don't feel like I'm a burden and I don't want Maverick to feel like he's a burden, even though we do bring a lot with us and we do have a lot of needs because he's a baby. It's just the way that things are. And so I'm trying really hard not to take that personally and be like, oh my gosh, I'm burdening, you know, my family into helping me with this baby that I decided to have, they didn't decide to have. And so, you know, I've really had to like kind of push back against that. But I think that's one of been, that's been one of the biggest changes that I've noticed in my other relationships outside of my marriage is that I really do just feel like a really big burden everywhere I go. Like I'm just dropping a lot on people or expecting a lot of people or asking a lot of people. Um, and I don't know if you've ever felt that way, but it's been one of those, those weird feelings that I've had to, um, accept and work on lately. Yeah, I can definitely identify with that, but I do think that, it's just such a short blip in time. And if those people do feel like you're a burden, then they don't have to be with you. They don't have mm-hmm. to, you know, spend time with you and it's okay. Yeah. You know, because you're not a burden. And if, if they do feel that way, then maybe you don't want to be with them either. <laughs> yeah. That's so true. Right. Oh I mean, it, I hate to yes. say that, but, but yeah, um, you're doing the best you can. And if they feel yeah. that way, then I don't know. I think maybe it's an unhealthy, you know, person to be around yes. for, for right now. <laughs> yes, that's so, that's so true. I think sometimes that is hard because we have these pre-existing relationships. And again, it's that whole like, oh, it needs to go back to normal and yeah. it's, it's tough. And so I think, you know, it's that, I think they go hand in hand that we kind of have to push back inside and be like, nope, I'm not a burden. And, you know, I'm also going to show up and I'm going to be here and, um, be in a situation that supports me and my baby in the best way. And exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to think like that all the time because you do sometimes doubt yourself and you doubt what you're doing and you do feel like a burden sometimes, but, but I think it's important to recognize all the things that you are doing. And then hopefully these people also want to be around you and be around your baby and lift you up. Yeah, Absolutely. Good. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to share? Any resources that really worked for you throughout your journey? Oh man. You know, I, I feel like there's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did take a couple. I, I I heard you say that you did a um, breastfeeding course and I did that too. And I would definitely recommend that to everyone. I think it was so helpful just to understand the mechanics of breastfeeding and like, you know, the whole supply and demand. Um, it was just, it was really helpful. And the one I took was called Milkology and it, it had videos and stuff that showed you how to like hand express and some of these things that, you know, you would think come very naturally, but they really don't. And if you've never done them, then they can be, you know, kind of frightening. And so I really appreciated that. And then I did take a better postpartum course as well. 
And I really loved that one. Um, I would say it helped a lot, even though I did end up going through, you know, some postpartum depression. I feel like, you know, having that background on information on how normal it is and how common it is and how, um, you know, sometimes as moms, we just, we, we feel like it's going to be a dream and then it's hard. And that makes it really difficult emotionally because, you know, you want to be just in love with your baby and then they cry and you get frustrated. And this class did a lot to just normalize that. Be like, yep, it is hard. It's frustrating. And we love our babies. You know, it's, it's, it's all of those things wrapped up into one. And that's what makes motherhood so spectacular is that you're so exhausted and so frustrated, yet you still get up every time your baby cries and you show up and you care for them and you love them. And that's what makes it the best experience. And so I really appreciated that perspective and it helped me a lot as I was preparing, you know, to enter motherhood. Um, I don't know that there's really a lot of other resources. I will say that, you know, I am, I'm, I'm trying to create a platform, you know, as I move forward, you know, I'm getting licensed as a therapist and a doula and I'm opening this motherhood store and I'm really just trying to create a platform where women feel supported. And, you know, I represent that everywhere, you know, on my social media accounts, it's all real. It's those real experiences when you're frustrated and sad and when you're happy and in love and it's all of those things in one you know, place. And so, um, I'm here as a resource. I would say I'm a resource to anybody that needs it. Um, I'm creating a lot of, um, you know, guides for the hypnobirthing that I did because I had such an amazing birth and I want to share it with as many women as possible. So when those are ready, I'm going to create a hypnobirthing, a postpartum and a pregnancy guide. And when those are ready, then they'll be available, um, on my social media accounts. So I'm, I'm here and I can answer any questions or help or discuss or, you know, just be a support to anybody that needs it. Awesome. And where can listeners find you on social media? It's um, on Instagram. It's Savvy and Mavi. Thanks so much for listening in. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and follow us on Instagram at, at the sleep sessions.